Hey, I'm Pastor Steve Holt. I want to empower you today to walk in your true identity as a worshiper and warrior. Today, embrace the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Born for War podcast. All right, so today we're going to talk on a very light subject, UFOs, aliens, and the Nephilim. So... uh, (laughs) Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 29, and I think it's appropriate to start with this passage because the stuff that I'll be sharing is a mystery. A lot of it is a mystery. Um, UFOs and aliens, um, this has been a big topic for the last 50 years, and it seems like it's only increased with time. And with the declassification of data from the CIA and the military complex, military-industrial surveillance complex, um, we have more and more information, and you can go online and see videos that were not even available three years ago, so it's pretty amazing. Um, But look at Deuteronomy 29.29, and this is one of those great passages you can go to, and you probably will go to in the years to come, where you don't know. We don't know everything about something. It's, It's kind of a mystery And this is what it says, Uh, Moses writes, the secret things, and you should underline that, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So there are things that are mysteries. There are things that we don't know that God holds to himself that he has revealed um, only to probably the triune, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the only ones who know. One of them, which would be the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. You know, even Jesus as a human, uh, being fully human and fully divine, said, I don't even know, nor do the angels of heaven when I'm coming back, but that's when he was human. He probably knows now because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So he does know, but those are secret things. But then there's things that are revealed, it says. He reveals things to us, and we're supposed to investigate those things. And so there's enough information for us to go after it and to seek wisdom and guidance. I mean, many of the chemical compounds that make up some of the uh, great scientific discoveries were because a scientist or an inventor, you know, put his head down and just dug in with kingdom wisdom and figured it out. And, you know, if we were, if we were born in 1865, we'd be on a wagon with horses and now we have vehicles that can travel the the speed of sound it's amazing you know what we have today because the hidden things were discovered by god imaged creatures like us who dug in and figured it out so on this area of ufos and aliens there's there's an aspect of it that's hidden And there's an aspect of it that's not hidden. So my hope today is to not create in any way fear, but to build strength and courage in each of us to realize that we have authority, we have power, and we have wisdom. Here's why. Because of Psalm 25. So in Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there. It's going to come up on the screen. But if you still have your Bible open to Deuteronomy 29, 29, you might write over on the margin Psalm 25. So in juxtaposition to Deuteronomy 29, 29, you would write Psalm 25, 14, and 15. Here's what it says. The secret, again, we're back to the secret. Remember, the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret of the Lord 
or we could say the secret things that belong to the Lord is with those who fear him. Isn't that interesting? So those who seek God, who seek his kingdom first, we will have, men and women, we will have insights, we will have wisdom, and we will have discernment that the world doesn't have. We'll have, because of scripture and because of actually divine visions and dreams that God gives us, we'll have information that people who don't follow the Lord will not have. So mysteries in the cosmos. So this is, this is the cosmic battle that we're in. UFOs and aliens are one of the most interesting topics of the 20th century. What I'm going to do today, because there's so much information, I'm going to cover 13 pages of information. Just to give you a perspective, a 40-minute message is seven pages. So I'm going to try to really, I'm going to read stuff and go through it really fast. And I know I'm not going to cover it as well as I would like, but I don't want to do two weeks on this. I feel like this is, you'll have enough information. And, and the thing about it is you can go online. It's amazing. When I was researching for this, the stuff is out there. Just go to YouTube, put in UFOs, and you'll start seeing all kinds of videos that were not even available three to five years ago, but because of declassification, especially by CIA and military, it's now available to us. So Hollywood has capitalized on this topic with TV programs like Signs, UFO Hunters on the History Channel, Spielberg's miniseries Taken, Hangar One, The UFO Files, another miniseries on TV, UFOs Declassified, National Geographic Channel, Chasing UFOs, History Channel, Unidentified, and UFOs Investigating the Unknown, just to name a few. There's hundreds of these different movies and interesting podcasts that are available out there. Edmund Spencer, the great English poet, once said, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is condemnation before investigation. So do UFOs and aliens really exist? And you know the Steve Holt answer is yes and no. Uh, and what I mean by that is I don't believe everything. And I don't think you should believe everything that's out there. A lot of this is sensationalized to sell books and to sell podcasts. But listen, there are over 6,000 photographs. There are over 6,000 photographs that authenticate the reality of UFOs. And even though there's some crazy, unsubstantiated stuff out there, there's enough information, including radar information, including some of the, some of the top level people in our NASA program that would authenticate that UFOs are real. Israeli journalist Iris Almagar writes, a wave of unprecedented appearances of UFOs in the skies of Israel has stirred up UFO enthusiasts and several thousands of other people who have been witnesses to unforgettable sights. The mounting reports in recent weeks leave no room for doubt in the minds of many that UFOs have invaded planet Earth. Well, the most famous is the Roswell incident, July 4th, 1947, in which an object landed in Roswell, New Mexico. Sheriff George Wilcox contacted Roswell Army Airfield regarding wreckage found 
by Mac Brazel on the Foster Ranch. Headlines, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region, 1947. Army sealed off the area and confiscated everything. Major Jesse Marcel was assigned to investigate. Marcel and two counterintelligence corps agents, Sheridan Cavett and Lewis Rickett, drove out to the ranch where Brazel worked to examine and collect the wreckage. On July 8, 1947, the Public Information Office at Roswell Army Air Force made the startling announcement that they had recovered the remains of a flying disc. 30 newspapers picked up the story. But then something strange happened. Within hours of the press release, a second press release, rescinding the first press release from Brigadier General Roger Ramey, Commander 8th Air Force at Fort Worth Airfield, 400 miles away, hadn't even been there, claims that they had made an unbelievable foolish mistake. General Ramey said that somehow they incorrectly labeled a, quote, weather balloon and its radar reflector as the wreckage of a crashed disk, end quote. Now, we all know the government wouldn't do that, right? Now, everyone knows this is a contrived cover story. The question is, why is the subject classified? Why has the evidence never been shown? All kinds of stories have circulated since that time. Some have even said there were four aliens and three were found dead. On October 26, 2007, Bill Richardson, who at the time was a candidate for the Democratic Party nomination for U.S. president, was asked about releasing government files on Roswell. Richardson responded that when he was a congressman, he attempted to get information on behalf of New Mexico constituents, but was told by both the Department of Defense and Los Alamos Labs that the information was classified. That ticked me off, he said. The government doesn't tell the truth as much as it should on a lot of issues, end quote. You think? Oh, my goodness. The mystery of Roswell, 70 years since, is still a mystery. But if nothing happened, then why is it classified? From July 19th to 26, 1952, jets were scrambled over Washington National Airport. UFOs harassed planes for about one week. You can look it up and see the front page of the Washington Times-Herald cover, Jets Alerted for Saucers. It was so bad they had to shut down air traffic. This went on for a week. The Washington Post cover story, quote, fiery objects outrun jets over capital, end quote. Never explained. The Phoenix Lights. On the evening of Thursday, March 13, 1997, the state of Arizona became host to one of the most recent and best-documented UFO sightings in history. The sightings began at 8.16 p.m. when a retired police officer in Paulden, Arizona, about 60 miles north of Phoenix, reported, quote, a cluster of five red lights headed south, end quote. Minutes later, calls from eyewitnesses in Prescott, Wickenburg, Glendale, Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Tempe flooded telephone lines at nearby Luke Air Force Base and local police departments. While some described the object as a globe or a sphere, 
The majority of the witnesses saw an enormous V-shaped object with six leading and one trailing light. Now, you can go online and see this. So just so you know, put in Phoenix lights. You can go to YouTube, and you can actually see the object going through um, the sky. Some of the witnesses described the object as a solid, massive, triangular craft. Others said that it appeared to be somewhat transparent, like, quote, a gray distortion of the night sky, end quote. Videotapes of the object confirmed its great size and the V-shaped leading edge composed of a bank of six bright lights. Now, I read one commentary on this, and they said it was a mile long. So this thing is huge. It was huge. The event, which lasted 106 minutes, apparently engendered the attention of nearby Luke Air Force Base. According to eyewitnesses, as the object neared the base, three F-16 interceptors were scrambled. However, when the jets approached the object, it, quote, shot straight up and disappeared like the blink of an eye. Predictably, officials at Luke Air Force Base denied this claim, stating that no aircraft were dispatched and they do not investigate UFOs. The governor and federal government denied anything, but the people saw fighter jets over them, they said. Thirteen astronauts have gone on record as having seen UFOs while in their flight missions. Ed Mitchell, the sixth of only 12 men who have walked on the moon, Apollo 14. He has a PhD in aeronautics from MIT, combat veteran of Korea, and the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom on April 1996. Dateline NBC said, quote, NASA is covering up what really happened at Roswell, New Mexico. Gordon Cooper, um, one of the original seven in the Mercury program in Gemini 5, in an interview in the 70s said, I believe in UFOs. There are other civilizations out there that people are traveling from. It was the early 1950s, and I saw a formation like we fly with our fighters. They were more erratic and could accelerate laterally much more quickly. They had no wings and were saucer-like. He has testified before the United Nations about UFOs visiting our planet. He wrote, I believe that these extraterrestrial vehicles and their crews are visiting this planet from other planets which obviously are a little more technically advanced than we are on this earth. Buzz Aldrin, on Apollo 11, all on board saw, reported, and videoed a UFO. No explanation has ever been given. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, July 21st, 1969, Apollo 11, both saw lights in or near a crater on the moon, and there were unconfirmed reports of seeing spacecraft there. And then he said, two large objects were watching us. About UFOs, there are over 6,000 publications in English, 2,200 in foreign journals, 1,350 periodicals published on the subject, over 700 books from the 16th to the 20th centuries, over 300 books before the 17th century. So this has been going on for quite a while. 72% of Americans believe in UFOs. So if I were to ask for a show of hands like I did in the first service, probably 28% or so in this room would not believe in UFOs. Um, but probably 7 out of 10 of you would. 15% believe they've seen a UFO. 
Anybody here think they've seen a UFO? Raise your hand. Oh, ooh, good bit. Okay. Um, one to three percent of Americans claim they've been abducted. Remember I said yes and no in my question about UFOs, okay. MUFON, Mutual UFO Network called MUFON, M-U-F-O-N dot com. You can go to their website. I went to their website. They write, there have been over 70,000 cases of sightings over the past five decades. So 70,000. They seem... They wrote down a few bullet points. They seem to defy logic in what they can do, these UFOs. The speed in which they travel, the remains that have been left behind, they seem to be able to appear and disappear almost instantaneously. The Yakima UFO study and the Topanish study among native peoples, and especially in the Four Corners, which includes our state, reveal hundreds of sightings with photographs and videos. There's just, guys, there's just too much to report. It was really hard for me to weed through all the information um, because I think, I think I had 72 pages when I was done. I brought it down to 13, okay? So here's my, I want to give you four thoughts on UFOs that are my personal opinion as a pastor and a Bible teacher. Number one, I believe UFOs are definitely being seen and do exist. So in my mind, there's no doubt that they're seeing something. It's, it's not contrived. Now, is some of it military with some new weaponry that they have that they don't want revealed? Certainly could be true. But I'm talking about something different than just that because we do have information and a lot of periodicals as well as articles and books that were written even before the 17th century. So this has been going on for a long, long time. Number two, I believe... Now, this is important. Number two is maybe my most important point today. I believe that rather than being extraterrestrial creatures from another galaxy or universe, they are interdimensional beings. Okay, that's my term. Interdimensional beings from another dimension invading the third dimension, which is where we live. So whether we call it the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, or the sixth dimension, there are divine beings, I believe. I'm going to call them interdimensional beings. Benai Elohim, we studied this before when we were looking at the Nephilim, which we'll cover a little bit again today, that intersect from their dimension. Maybe this is helpful to think of a spiritual dimension and a three-dimensional world. And the Bible's full of that. I mean, we could go through almost every book of the Bible talks about angels and demons. So, these, these are these, I call them divine beings. I like that term because we don't know sometimes if they're seraphim, cherubim, angels, Satan, demons, God, angels of God, which would be the pre-incarnate Jesus. But all through the scriptures, we see this, this interrelationship between fifth, sixth dimension, fourth, fifth, sixth dimension, and the three-dimensional world. And as I've said before, it's hard for Americans to grasp because we live in a very rational, scientific worldview as Western Americans that blinds us to another dimension happening because of our upbringing. Number three, 
their activity are very much like the activity we see of divine beings in the Bible. Cherubim, seraphim, angels, and demons. Demons, all demons are are fallen angels, disembodied beings that can take on human form just like an angel can. And I dare say, how many of you would say that you look back in your life, you think with pretty definite sense of using the orderliness of your mind that you might have met an angel or an angel helped you in a situation you never saw him again. Yeah, and, and same with Liz and I. We, we had the same experience too. So, so angels or these divine beings can look like a human. Number four, thus, I believe UFOs and alien sightings are the activity of demons and Satan and their activity will increase as we get closer to the close of the age. So we're going to talk about Nephilim, which are half human and half demonic. And we'll come to that near the end of the message. And we've covered that before. Even a substantial core group, this was interesting, even a substantial core group of UFO watchers, not Christians, have said these sightings are demonic or hyperdimensional. Isn't that interesting? That's people who wouldn't consider themselves Christian. So let's look at a UFO sighting. Okay, UFO sighting in the Bible. So turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 1. And if you don't know where Ezekiel is, go to the table of contents, you'll find it. It's near the end of the Old Testament. One of those prophets that we often don't read, especially chapter 1. Chapter 1 is one of the craziest passages in the Bible. Actually, a book has been written on it by NASA engineer Joseph Bloomrich entitled The Spaceships of Ezekiel. So look at chapter 1. It came to pass 13th year in the fourth month of the fifth day of the month I was among the captives by the river Chabar and the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Now look down at verse 4 and he begins to explain the vision that he had. Then I looked and behold a whirlwind was coming out of the north a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. Let me just stop here and just say, remember, written thousands of years ago, Ezekiel only has his personal experience to draw from in relation to his descriptions of light and sound. So I want you with 21st century eyes, as you read stuff, think he doesn't have, he can't say it sounded like engines in the sky. Or it was like an airplane, but it was more like a flying saucer because it was this way. Or it had lights. They don't have any light except for fire at that time and candles and stuff like that. So he's going he's to describe it that way. So look at it from the 21st century, and maybe you might have described what he sees differently. I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. Okay, was that a whirlwind? Was that a whirlwind, or is something coming down that's... You know, if you've ever been on a helicopter and you see when a helicopter comes down, it just throws dust everywhere. You might call it, a thousand years ago, a whirlwind. So something's coming down. The great cloud with a raging fire engulfing itself. And brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Verse 5. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures... And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. 
Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the lightness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion. And on the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox. On the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward, two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. Verse 13, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. So this is, is this, is this one of the craziest things you've ever read? Now, as I look, verse 15, at the living creatures, behold, a wheel. Okay, here we go. A wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same lightness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So if you have some large cylindrical object, all you would have had thousands of years ago is the idea of describing it as a wheel. Is it a flying saucer? We don't know. Verse 17, when they moved, they went toward any one of four directions. So they can move rapidly in four different directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes. Okay, is that windows? Is that windows around the rims? We don't know, but it ceases. It's like eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went because there the Spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. I've got all these underlined, but the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side. Each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise. Now this is, so imagine this thunderous noise. This is the way Ezekiel describes it. I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the voice of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the ferment that was there, was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And it just goes on and on and on with more description. But you get the feeling, like especially that last verse, 
that he doesn't know how to describe it. He says, it was the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the noise of an army. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He does not know how to describe this unique sound that he heard that's like a whirlwind that has wheels inside of wheels and creatures that have four faces and one's like an animal. The other one is like the face of a man. Another one is like an eagle and a lion. I mean, this is crazy stuff, okay? This is in the Bible, okay? So this to me is God's way of revealing a mystery of something going on in the time of Ezekiel, thousands of years ago. As I mentioned earlier, a book written by NASA engineer Joseph Bloomrich entitled The Spaceships of Ezekiel. He concludes that the Ezekiel 1 passage wasn't the whole story. According to Bloomrich, the whole chapter is a detailed description of an encounter with a UFO. He went from an extreme skeptic to becoming convinced that the book of Ezekiel was a real and accurate and detailed account of an encounter with extraterrestrial visitors. If you look up his book and commentary, he explains each part of chapter 1 as if Ezekiel is seeing a UFO flying saucers. That'd, that'd be interesting if you're interested in that. Again, that is The Spaceships of Ezekiel by Joseph Bloomrich. So we see four living creatures. And in my opinion, this, this is an inter dimensional being. As a matter of fact, right, if you, got, if you open up your Bible to Ezekiel 1, where you see the four faces and the creatures, put in 1020. Put in 10 colon 20, because in Ezekiel 10, verse 20, the explanation is given as cherubim. They're called cherubim. So, so even Ezekiel recognizes these are interdimensional beings coming into the three-dimensional world. The great wheels, next to each living creature is a giant wheel made of two wheels intersecting one another. The wheels are covered with eyes. And they move in every direction, but they're in unison in what they do. So what do you think about that? So Ezekiel's trying to describe in a medieval way what he saw in descriptive words that he would use based on his own experience. So as we look at it, it's arguably one of the most unique passages in Scripture because of what we know in the 21st century. Now, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 6. And we have talked about the Nephilim before, weeks ago, months ago. I talked about the Nephilim. Let's look at it again. Chuck Mitzler, the famous scientist, theologian, and apologist, wrote extensively on some of these phenomenon. His article... As the days of Noah were, he entitles it the return of the aliens. Luke 17, 26, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And, and he would argue, and I think he's, he's got a valid point, that the emergence of the Nephilim was what brought about the flood of Noah. So who were they? Now, we've already covered this before, so I'm not going to briefly cover this again. But look at Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Now, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, verse 2, that the sons of God, now that word sons of God is benai Elohim. I've talked about that before. These divine beings, 
demonic beings, saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. So God's making a statement here that he created us flesh. He created us in the image of God, and he's not going to strive with these half-demonic spirits that are half-human and half-demonic, yet his day shall be 120 years, there were giants. Now, that word giants is Nephilim. There were Nephilim on the earth in those days and also afterward. So the offspring of these demonic spirits, remember, all angels are is disembodied spirits. They're coming from the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. They come down. They come into the three-dimensional world. They mate with, they have sexual intercourse with uh, human beings. And then their offspring are the Nephilim, okay? These Nephilim, which is actually a misinterpretation of using the word giants because in the Greek Septuagint, it uses the word gigantus or gigantus, which is translated giants, which they were giants. It's obvious that they were giants, especially when we look at even Goliath being one of the sons of Anak, but actually, it doesn't mean giants. That's the Greek Septuagint. It means fallen ones. So the Nephilim are the fallen ones on the earth in those days and also afterward. So the flood was to wipe out the Nephilim, but they came again. They, they, they followed the flood. It gives explanation to why Joshua chose the different tribal groups that he wiped out when he came into Canaan because it's related to the Nephilim. That's a whole nother topic. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they, were, they bore children to them. That's what we're talking about. These children that were born, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So could, here's the question, could aliens be the Nephilim? Might the Nephilim still inhabit the earth? Because it does say there were giants, Nephilim, on the earth, verse 4, in those days and also afterward. So these benai Elohim, these divine interdimensional beings, had relations with the daughters of men and had an offspring that we've often mistranslated, but it's not a mistranslation in the sense that it is it is what they were like, and that is giants in the land. So is this an infusion of the leftovers, the remnant of the Nephilim that are still on the earth? I don't know, but could be. Definitely, I believe that those interdimensional beings are coming in, trying to create fear, trying to create confusion, and actually trying to distract us from what really matters. But I think we need to cover it because there is an explanation for it. The strange events which led to the flood are also alluded to in ancient mythologies. And by the way, just so you understand mythologies, most mythologies are based on some evidence of fact or truth that have been mythologized. The legends of the Greek titans partly terrestrial and partly celestial, 
embrace these same kind of memories. The Greek Titan is linguistically linked to the Chaldean Shaitan, which is the Hebrew for Satan. So I believe that true UFO sightings are not creatures from another planet, but demons trying to create fear in people. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We wage battle in the spiritual realm, but we have authority and power through the Holy Spirit living within us. Now, if you don't know Jesus here today, you have a lot to fear because you're on your own, man. I don't envy you. But you can change that today. When we end the service, you can come up here, receive Christ, have Jesus living in you, and the power of the universe now resides within you. You have the kingdom of God within, and that should give you great and wonderful confidence. So let's go back to those verses again. They're going to be up on the screen. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Let's put that over against Psalm 25. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So there's secrets we don't know, but there's also secrets we can know if you fear God. Now, if you don't fear God, if you don't seek God, you know, you walk in ignorance. But if you're a seeker of God, seeker of the kingdom first in your life, God actually downloads his secrets to you. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Good reason to open your Bible every day. Good reason to seek the Lord. You don't know what to do about the purchase of a home, or you don't know what to do about a bank account, or you don't know what to do about a relationship. The secrets of the Lord are revealed to those who fear Him. So you may not know something, and God's actually put you in a place of ignorance, so you'll seek Him, so He can reveal His secret to you and give you insight and wisdom so that you can walk with the joy of the Lord, no, this is what God told me to do. And sometimes it's like, what? People say, what? You're doing what? Are you crazy? No, I, I fear the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. I know this is the right thing to do. And then results come that show God was working in your life and in your heart. Thank you for listening to the Born for War podcast. We hope today's message has empowered you to make a difference in your world. To connect with Pastor Steve's sermons, books, and blog, visit steveholtonline.org. God bless.